Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Romans chapter 12. Just want to come back here and um, talk about a very important subject we know we've talked a lot about transition and change and disruption and normal and what is normal and talked about all these different things, but I want to talk about a subject tonight that really everything we've talked about is grounded in this bedrock of mind renewal, our thought life, our thought life. And Everything we've talked about and everything we've covered and everything we've taught over the last month or so really won't do us any good if we never address our thought life. And and this is uh, the essence. <clears throat> if you remember, we started here with Romans chapter 12. And uh, let's just look at it here in verse 1. New King James reads, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Again, talking to believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So, again, right there, we're talking about the external. We're talking about presenting your bodies. That's your life. That's what he's talking about, the external. There should be actions and behavior and patterns and, uh, you know, the things that we can see that should align with God and ultimately should be offered to him as a sacrifice. Now, again, if I can offer up an acceptable sacrifice, then I can definitely offer up an unacceptable sacrifice. And we saw that in the word of God. People presented sacrifices that God was like, I ain't having none of that. (laughs) I reject that. I'm not actually, I'm not taking that. We saw that with Cain and Abel, right? Abel brought a good sacrifice sacrifice, but Cain brought a an unacceptable sacrifice. We saw that with King Saul uh, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, that he tried to tell God, oh, I'm, you know, I, we've taken the, the best of the land, these Amalekites you commanded us to destroy, we've taken them and we're going to offer them as a sacrifice. And what was uh, God's response? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And so we see that this this concept of my actions and my behavior, I'm not working to try to obtain something. I'm working because I've obtained something. Amen? I'm not working in trying to, you know, put on uh, the right actions and the right behaviors to impress God or to get God to love me. But because he loves me and because he made the ultimate sacrifice, I in turn want to say, man, I want to align my agenda, my plan, my values with yours. And so we're talking about the external, offering your bodies a living sacrifice. Most sacrifices, he's clarifying here, because most sacrifices are what? Dead sacrifices. You kill it or you remove it or you get rid of it, right? But he says, I want to see a living sacrifice. What's that mean? It's perpetual. This isn't a one-time deal like, okay, God, I, I sacrificed for you yesterday. Now today's all mine. Every day, every day I wake up, guess what I'm doing? I'm offering another sacrifice. Paul said, I die daily. That means it resurrects daily. That flesh, it wants to come back up every day. I don't care you've been walking with Jesus 65 years. You will, your flesh will rise up and say, no, I don't want to do it that way. No, I want to do my plan. I want to do my will. I want to do my agenda. So what did Paul say? I die day. I crucify my flesh on the daily. So there's a living sacrifice. I'm perpetually in a mode of sacrificing myself for what God wants. He qualifies this living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But now in verse 2, he gets to... The, the bedrock. He gets to what we really want to look at so that we can offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. Do not be conformed to this world. The patterns becoming accustomed to, uh, the behaviors, the responses, the actions, that tells us that this world has 
a pattern that is the opposite of what God wants. Always has, always will. Always has, always will. They're never going to be in alignment. You're never going to follow the pattern of the world and then please God. It's not going to happen. doesn't work that way. But the problem is, is if I'm not intentionally trying to separate from the pattern of the world, he says, I'll be conformed to it. Conforming is, is the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is automatic. That's, that's the automatic response. If I leave it alone, I'll conform to the world. But if I give attention to it and I'm intentional with my life and intentional with my thoughts and intentional with my plans and my agendas, guess what? I will be transformed and be separated from the actions and the responses of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed where? In my life. I want to be transformed in my life. You know, Jesus is in the transformation business. That's what he does. To be transformed means to, to take on a complete change. Did you know you can have your desires transformed? Did you know that? I mean, I've known people that had, you know, addictions that they thought they could never break when they live in the world and, and you know, weren't giving any effort to break those addictions. And, and one of the hardest things is, you know, I just can't seem to break this addiction. I just always, you know, God can transform even your desire or your longing for that, for that cigarette, for that alcohol, for that dip, for that whatever it is. Some of us are addicted to spending money. Some of us are addicted to gossiping. Some of us are addicted to knowing everything about everybody's life. Some of us are addicted to, to, to some serious stuff. And God can even change your desires. He, that, it's what he does. He's in the transformation business. If you'll give him the chance. If you'll let him do it. So I want to be changed. Where? In my body. I want to be changed in my life. I want to be transformed in the external. But this is how we do it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's internal. That's not on the outside. See, well, I think we covered this like in the very first week. If I try to transform the outside from the outside, I'll be miserable all the rest of my life. Look at the Pharisees. Look at the Sadducees. Look at the, the religious leaders, teachers of the law. They were what? They were trying to transform the outside from the outside. And Paul's telling us that we do not transform the outside from the outside. You transform the outside from the inside by the renewing of my mind. If I don't change my thinking, I won't change my living. This is a, a regular concept we look at as a church and as a believer. Uh, and again, he's talking to believers. So there's something, there's a gap here. He's talking to brethren. He's talking to those that have committed their lives to Christ. He's talking to those that have uh, uh, believed on the Lord Jesus as their Savior, uh, believed on him as their Lord. They've prayed the prayer of salvation. They've been transferred out of darkness into light. But there's a gap here. Because what we're seeing on the outside doesn't align with the person that you've been made new on the inside. We've got a separation. And so he says that there's a renewing of the mind, a mind renewal process. Do not be conformed to this world. The opposite of being conformed is being transformed by the renewing of my mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if I want to live out the plan of God, I have to first work on my thinking. It's my thought life. It's my thought life that needs to be adjusted. It's my thought life that needs to be tweaked. Look at this in the uh, New Living Translation. You should have it up on the screen for you in the New Living Translation. Verse 1, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you urgently. I'm pleading with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy 
sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. His will is good and pleasing and perfect. So we understand that our thoughts become our life. Any, any action, any behavior, any pattern that you're seeing externally was a seed planted internally at one point in our lives. Any action, behavior, pattern that we're seeing on the outside has been planted somewhere on the inside. Been planted somewhere on the inside. We're seeing a lot of garbage take place in the world today. We're seeing a lot of stuff in our society right here at home, right here in our own country, the land of the free and the home of the brave and and, and all the things that we uh, honor and love in our country. But there are a lot of broken systems and they are because seeds have been planted somewhere along the line. When I have to watch a movie about Jackie Robinson with my son, who is nine years old, probably six or seven years old when we first watched it, because he, he loves baseball, because I love baseball, and because I told him he has to love baseball. So uh, he, he loves baseball, and, and he loves Jackie Robinson. I mean, we have a, a, a PlayStation, and we have a baseball game, and you can build your own team, and he, Jackie Robinson's on every one of his teams. I mean, he just, he loves the guy, loves the movie. But when I have to teach him, why that behavior that Jackie Robinson went through is unnatural and incorrect behavior of how to treat somebody based on the color of their skin or their their background that tells us that it is you you have to it's unnatural you watch a white boy and a black boy or a white girl and a black girl 2 3 5 years old they don't know anything different They have to be taught racism. That's called seeds being planted. Seeds being passed down somewhere along the line. He doesn't even understand the concept. Why do they treat him like that? Why won't they let him play on the team? Why do they keep calling him that word? Why do they do this? And why why won't they let him play baseball? Why is he the only person of that color playing? He knows no different. So there's seeds planted somewhere that, that you have to, and so when we're planting new seed, you have to uproot old seed. We have to take out old seeds. Otherwise, we become conformed to the seeds that are already there. Otherwise, we allow those seeds to grow in our lives. I heard someone say one time, if you allow the enemy to plant seed in your field, And you can't complain with the harvest he grows. We are, we we as a people, and and, and more and more are getting this way, where we only want to deal with the symptoms of something. We only want to deal with the external condition of something. But we never want to get to the baseline, the seed of something. Where the whole system grows. So we address things on an external level, but then when they pop back up again and another video goes viral again, we wonder why we keep dealing with the, didn't we address this last time? I made a post about this last time. I shared my value about this last time. I, I, you know, we, we have all these, but we're not getting to the seed, which is the heart of man. Why on earth are we wanting and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here. I, I'm not trying to just, you know, get with this. But it's just on my heart right now. We can't expect man to be reconciled to man until man's been reconciled to God. If you remove God, I haven't heard one person. And I've read a lot of posts. 
I haven't heard anybody pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to the cross, pointing people to the one person that has walked this earth that can change the very heart of man that is the reason why we have the whole condition in the first place. Condition, condition. We talked about that on Sunday. The condition. It's systematic. There's societal issues that are at a root issue. It's called sin. Hate is hate. Murder is murder. And so we've got these issues that are a result of seeds that have been planted. And if we keep planting the seed, we can't expect to get a different harvest. You can't complain about the crops that grow in your field if you've been planting the seed the whole time. We can't do it. It's, not, it's just not going to work. And so he's trying to help us understand. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. One of the most dangerous elements for a believer, one of the most dangerous elements for a believer is an unruled thought life. One of the most dangerous elements for a believer is an unruled thought life. Now, if he's telling us, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by changing the way you think, then apparently we have the power and the ability to change what we think or what we think on. We have that power. In fact, you are the only one that has that power. Of all the things that God can transform, of all the things that God can do in our lives, of all the power that, that God can demonstrate in our lives, the one thing he does not have access to, just come in and take over, is your thoughts, is your mind. Your thought life is your responsibility. And we need to do a better job. We've got to do a good job. We've got to do a better job of controlling and ruling our thought life. Controlling and ruling our thought life. You can't blame your thought life on your parents. You can't blame your thought life on society. You can't blame your thought life on Facebook. You can't blame your thought life on your education can't blame your thought life on your spouse. You can't blame your thought life on your neighbors. You can't blame your thought life on anybody. Get this, you can't even blame your thought life on the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil made me think of it. No, he didn't. That's our control. That's our domain. That's our territory. We're the only ones that have the ability to check thoughts at the door. I'm not saying they won't come. Listen to me now, because sometimes we try to get overboard. Well, I just can't, I don't know how to avoid those thoughts. You don't. You don't avoid them, you confront them. They will come knocking at the door. You're the one opening the door and inviting it inside and then preparing a meal for it and saying, do you want to stay the night? <laughs> it's house guests. It's your house guest. You're making room for the thought, right? Or we can tell the thought to go away. We can check the, dot, the, check the thought at the door and say, no, you don't have access here. Do the same with our thoughts. We should be the, the door of your house. Lock the door of your mind. How do we do that? We're going to look at that. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. And I know we've talked about this before. I know that. And I know that we talk, talking about challenging norm. I just could not allow this topic to go as we're talking about challenging normal and disrupting things and uh, confronting things right now. These weeks are out the door, guys. If we don't get the thought life in check, the last six weeks are out the door, guys. We, we have to take control of our thoughts. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. I'm going to read this in the New Living to you. Verse 20, but we've got some learned 
about Christ. You know, we got some learning to do. We've got some learning to do. Yep. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I mean, if that doesn't make it any clearer. Now look, he says, since you have heard about Jesus, so we've heard, I'm not talking to to believers. He's saying, you heard about Jesus. I'm not talking to brand new, you know, I'm, talk, I'm not talking to the world. I'm not talking to people that, uh, you know, are, are active, participating in, actively participating in sin and sinful lifestyles or haven't ever heard of Jesus, haven't confessed Jesus. Or he's, he's clarifying, you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him. It's the truth that sets you free, right? Yeah. We got to know the truth. So, you've heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth, there's still more to do. Throw off your old sinful nature. See, if we do the first two, but don't take the, 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 the latter, if we don't throw off the old sinful nature, guess what? It'll rear its ugly head. It'll come back, and it'll overrule everything we learned and everything we heard. So, I've learned about Jesus, I've heard his truth, and then I'm going to diminish all of that by still allowing my sinful life to rule and reign in my body and in my life. The former way that's corrupted by lust and deception. So, how do I throw off the old sinful nature? Verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now look at that second word, instead, let. (laughs) What's that mean? That means the Holy Spirit ain't barging in and said, hey, I'm here to do some cleanup. Whether you like it or not, I'm coming to wipe some things down around here. I'm going to decontaminate your mind, right? Come in with his Lysol and his hand sanitizer and his Purell and vacuum cleaner. I'm just here. Don't mind me. I'm just going to tidy things up around here. No, he won't do that. He'll come if you invite him. He'll come if you say, Holy Spirit, I need some cleansing in this area. There's some toxicity laying around, contamination. I've got some old filth sitting around from the old way of life, and and it keeps trying to come back up. I, I I need some cleanliness going on here. Yeah. Let the Spirit. I tell you what, he's really good at it. He's one of the best decontaminators I know of. He can clear it out. He can get rid of the junk. He can get rid of the stuff from childhoods. He can get rid of the stuff from past marriages. He can get rid of the stuff from the abuses. He can get rid of the stuff from the addictions. He can get rid of the stuff like nobody else can. No therapy, no counseling, no guidance, no pastor. I am not the Holy Spirit. I do a great job of pointing you to the holy. I don't do the cleaning, but I know someone that does. Let me get you in touch with him. Here's his card. That's what we got to do. Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Or don't let. Don't let him. Don't give him the access. Don't let him in. No, I want to let him. Verse 24, put on your new nature. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And what is that? That's the nature that is holy and acceptable and pleasing to him. That's the nature that will prove the perfect, pleasing, and acceptable will of God. That's the nature that will align values with God's rather than the world. We see the connection here? We know this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. The New King James reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new 
creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, this is talking about a realm that we don't have access to, that you and I can't touch. Only God can touch. That's the spirit. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Three-part nature of man. You are a spirit. A spirit being that because of Adam's original sin, we were born into that sin, we were born decontaminated. We were born toxic. We were born uh, with a, a system and a thought life and behaviors and patterns after the world. We came in that way. You came in that way. Came in corrupted. Came in lustful. Came in decepted, uh, deceptive and wanting to be deceived. We, we came in that way. And so what do I need? I need a new nature. And what God does when we hand over our life to him and we make him Lord of our life, he makes us a new creation instantaneously. Instantaneously. The Greek word there, uh, new creation, implies something that has never existed before. That's how new you are. That's how, I mean, brand spanking new, never existed before. Not a copy, not a paint job, not a new transmission, not a new engine under the hood. I mean, new creation that has never existed before. When God makes something new, he makes something new. He knows how to do it. New creation. And so I have a flesh that wants nothing to do with God. I have a spirit that's now been made new in God. And in the middle, I have my mind, the soul, mind, will, and emotion. I have this mental realm. I have this thought life that determines do I live according to the spirit or do I keep living according to the flesh? If I'm born again and I keep living according to the flesh, uh, Paul used a word for that called carnal. Carnal. A carnal person is a believer that still lives like a sinner. That's a carnal. You can't be a carnal worldly person. Carnal only applies to Christians, to believers. Can I teach a little bit? It's Wednesday night. Teaching a little bit. A carnal believer is one that is born again. And the enemy will come at you and say, you're not saved, you're not born again, you didn't do it, you didn't mean it. No, that's a lie, that's called condemnation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. But I, I'm, 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 I'm siding with my flesh. I'm siding, and when I say flesh, we're talking about the old nature. So I have a new nature, old nature. He says to what? Put on the new identity. Put on the new nature. Well, how does he say to do that? By letting the Spirit renew my thoughts and my attitudes. So I have a spirit man made new Man, I mean, brand new, new creation, never existed before. I have this flesh that has to be crucified. Otherwise, it will still rise up and say, hey, why don't we do it this way? Hey, let's hate that person. Hey, let's talk about them. Hey, let's keep and be greedy. Let's be stingy. Hey, we're going to walk in fear and be depressed all the time. That's the flesh. But the spirit says, no, 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 no. Instead of fear, I can swap you that for peace. For hate, I can swap you that for love. For depression, I can swap that for identity and security in Christ. The Holy Spirit's got something that's worth trading all the fleshly garbage for. He's got something for everything. So we can swap it out. But if my mind doesn't get renewed, I'm going to keep living to the old stuff. I'm going to keep producing the patterns of this world. I'm going to keep producing externally what I'm planting internally. I'll keep producing externally what I'm planting internally. 
And so he says we've got to put on the new nature. Not enough to just pray or prayer, pray the prayer of salvation. Not enough to just go to church. Not enough to just purchase the Bible. Not enough. Those things are great helps and great starters and great things to surround yourself with. But at some point, you're going to have to make the decision, I'm putting on the new nature. At some point, I'm going to have to make the decision, I am not going to let my flesh exercise its control over me any longer. I'm putting on the new man. I'm putting on my new identity. Amen. So my thought life is where this has to take place. I don't know whose quote this was, um, but I just saw it somewhere and thought it was perfect. The greatest power of the gospel is its ability to change those who yield to it. The greatest power of the gospel, the greatest power of the gospel is its ability to change those that yield to it. The Bible is not just a book of stories and myths and legends and just this little checklist of how to do things right. The, 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 the gospel, the word of God, actually contains the power to change your life. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. That the word of God has the power to change your life. I believe that. Anything you're dealing with, anything you're struggling with, the word of God is the answer. The word of God is the key. And if I can be specific, that to to change your behavior and to change your responses and to keep from conforming to the world, you need the epistles specifically. You need Paul's letters to the churches specifically. You need Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You need Corinthians. You need Thessalonians. These are the books you have to be in with, in tune with. Obviously, the whole word, I'm not, just, I'm not saying rip out the other stuff. It's no good. Obviously not. But Paul, in writing to the churches, remember, these are newly planted churches. Remember that these churches were, were, we're not talking about, you know, 50-year-old, 100-year-old, 1,000-year-old churches. We're talking about brand new planted churches that have brand new converts. Just, I mean, Jesus just died on the cross like 50 years ago. And we're planting churches. And he's writing letters to those in the church. And he's not just writing to the, Gal to the people at Galatia and the people at Ephesus and the people at Thessalonica. He's writing to you and I. He gets to about verse 2 after he does his little greeting and the Holy Spirit arrested him. And instead of just writing to them, now he's writing to you as a believer. Those are the books we need to renew our minds with. It tells you how to act. It tells you how to think. It tells you how to behave. It tells you what to expect of employees and employers. It tells you how to be a wife and how to be a husband. It tells you how to be a parent. It tells you what to do when somebody talks bad about you. It tells you how to put away uh, uh, lying and cheating and stealing and idolatry. It tells you, I mean, it gives you all everything you need to be the new convert and the new nature believer. It's all right there in the epistles. Those are the most fundamental books to a believer. You've got to have the epistles in your life. You've got to have those books. Okay? So the greatest power of the gospel is its ability to change those qualifier that yield to it. It doesn't change people that just give a glancing pass to it. Those that are studiers of the word, those that engage themselves in the word, and then those that put the word into practice and yield to the word. Our lives are so much better off when we yield to the word, aren't they? Our lives are so much better. I mean, for all the junk that's going on in our world today, there's a verse for all of it. 
He's covered all of it. In this book right here. He's covered all of it. And so what I need to do is I need to renew my mind. The world tells me to respond or do something one way. This book tells me to do it a lot of times the complete opposite way. The world tells you if you want more, you got to keep. The Bible tells you if you want more, you got to give. See, that's, that's, that's called renewing of the mind. Somebody once asked me, well, don't, isn't that brainwashing? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And just because the world is given a bad terminology to brainwashing doesn't mean that's not what God's trying to do. He's absolutely trying to brainwash. Think about the words brain, wash, cleanse, clean. <laughs> I mean, we, we get mad at people if they don't wash everything else. All of a sudden, we don't want to wash our brain. Anybody's brain needs some washing, some cleansing, some thorough flushing out? Yeah? Yeah, some detergent in there. Put it on spin cycle. Rinse and repeat. Do it all over again. And, and, you know, you can feel when your brain is getting contaminated. You can feel it. It just feels gross. Just like when, when you haven't taken a shower in a while. Or just like if you've been out in the, in the hot, muggy Georgia, South Georgia summer. South Georgia winter, for that matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what season it is, right? They're all hot and muggy. <laughs> yeah. How am I going to tell what season it is if there's love bugs or not? That's about all I have. That's the only indicator I have. The weather, the rain, the, the temperature, none of those are good indicators. It's 85 degrees. Must be summer. No, it's Christmas. Yeah, but we need, to, we need to decontaminate. We need to flush some things out. Things will start to stock up in there. Things will start to, to show up in our brains, our minds. They need to be cleansed. And I'm not a, you know, neurologist or neuro, there are people much smarter that can tell you how all this stuff affects your living and your life and, and even your health. Even your health. I mean, one of the first things I said when all this stuff started, we started becoming hypersensitive about cleanliness and sanitation. I said, man, it'd be a travesty. That we go through all these natural measures to keep ourselves clean, but yet we contaminate our minds and we kill ourselves from the inside out. I mean, physically get a heart attack because you're so concerned and you've washed your hands so many times. I mean, the skin's coming off. And they'll probably say that was COVID too. Stress? No. Stress related to COVID. It was, it's COVID's fault. Corona did it. Right? No, God wants, God has a, a decontaminator for you. God has a way to cleanse, and it's called renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Amplified reads this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... That is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. That's what it means to be in Christ, by the way. When we see the words in Christ or in him, which Paul used uh, over a hundred times throughout his epistles, he used those terms to identify you and I. In essence, you can put it this way. When you are in Christ or in him, in Jesus... When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Grafted in, joined together. When God looks at you, guess who he sees? His perfect beloved son in whom he's well pleased. That's how connected we are to be. That's how close and joined together. And then everything that Jesus has, we share in. I said everything that Jesus has, we share in. We rule and reign with him. If it's under his feet, it's under our feet. If he can subdue it, we can subdue it. 
You're saying we're equal? No, I'm not saying we're equal that, that we are the son of God as far as Jesus is concerned. But I'm talking about the new nature that you've been given is made in likeness and image with him. That's what he intended. And when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross and rose again to make everything available that he has to us. That's why he went to the cross. Not to just get us to heaven so we can get away from this nasty world and this nasty atmosphere that just is full of corruption. He went to the cross so that everything he has could be made available to you. I love what one person said, man. It just just changed my life when I heard it put this way. Jesus did what he did, the signs and the wonders and the miracles, not to prove what he could do, but to prove what you could do. Let that sink in. He said, you see me doing all this stuff? You'll do even greater works, John 14, 12. I'm not just showing you what I'm capable of. I'm showing you what you, empowered by the Spirit in a life submitted to God, are capable of. Yep. But we got to renew our minds. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So you are not a sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a believer. You're in the family. God doesn't have any sinners in his family. But Pastor Mark, I still sin. Well, you can bark like a dog, but it don't make you a dog. Yeah. Now, if you're actively participating in like, you know, I'm good with this and I don't want to let that go, even though I clearly see that the word, then, you know, maybe it's in question whether we have become the believer that the word defines as believer. But when God transforms you from the inside, we still have some adjustments to make on the outside. Remember that song? Working on the, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a joy in my life. I couldn't even begin to give you the tune for it, but I know the words. There it is. It was going to bother me if I didn't try to get it out, so. Yeah, he works on the inside. To transform on the outside, let him do his part, but then we've got to do our part. So look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Wind it down here. I've got to address my mindset. If I'm just addressing my actions, then I will repeat those actions. But if I address my mindset, then I can disrupt the actions. I've got to disrupt it at the source. I've got to go to where the actions are being fed and planted. I've got to get to the inside. So how do we address and adjust our thought life? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Let's read that again. We capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We have the power to accept or reject 
thoughts. We have the power to accept or reject thoughts. I can destroy the thought or I can develop the thought. That's in my power. That's on me. And so I have to go in and I have to destroy. I have to disrupt. I have to call out the thought as soon as I have the thought. Because if I dwell on the thought and I develop the thought, then what am I doing? I'm taking the seed, the thought, planting it in the ground, watering it, thinking on it, dwelling on it. In essence, I'm doing everything that I need to do to grow that thought so that it produces fruit. And what is the fruit of thoughts? My actions. My actions. So if I plant the seed, and see, this is why the enemy wants you to devalue seeds. Because, oh, don't mind, it's just a seed. Oh, don't mind me, I'm just over here planting seeds. They're, no, they're nothing, just tiny little seeds. I mean, look, this can't hurt you. This won't harm you. This isn't going to be a big deal. One little tiny seed. Marriages are destroyed because of seeds. Homes are broken apart because of seeds. Lives are brought to hopelessness because of seeds. It's these seeds. But if I go in, we capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you've become fully obedient, we'll punish everyone who remains disobedient. In the New King James, I want to read this to you in the New King James. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 in the New King James. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So what's he saying? If you're trying to address the issue with the wrong weapon, you will fail. I have to address it on the right level with the right weapon. So if I keep using flesh to disrupt my mental realm, my thought life, if I keep using external measures to impact something internal, it's not going to succeed. It's bound to fail. No, he says that we have to use Weapons, he says in verse 4, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means flesh or tangible, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So that means he has supplied you with the resource to pull down those thoughts. He has supplied that to you. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. You ever felt that in your mind? The argument, waging war. What God wants versus what the enemy wants versus what the world says to do. They're waging war against each other. They're not not trying to get a peace treaty. They're not trying to find a compromise. One's going to win out over the other. He says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you have to see that thought that way. That it's exalting itself and puffing itself up against God. Even in a seed form. It's exalting itself and saying, I mean, and look, it's, 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 it's so small sometimes. The word of God says that you can walk in divine healing and immediately an argument comes up or a thought that exalts itself. No, you're not. That's not for you. That's not for today. It's puffing itself up. It's rising against the thought of the word and against the word of God in opposition to it. So we have to use these weapons to pull down strongholds, cast down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Bringing every thought. Sounds like a lot of work, I know. But that's our thoughts. I tell you what, the more you do it, the better you get 
and the more automatic it becomes. Initially, yeah, it's like, ah, this thought just keeps coming up. But eventually it's going to be, boom, no. I don't accept that thought. This is what the Word of God says. Now, if you don't have the Word of God to pull pull down the thought and to respond with, I don't believe that, but I don't really know what God thinks about it. Well, that doesn't help us. It says exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what's that mean? I've got to have the knowledge of God. I've got to know what God says about a thing. I've got to know what his word says. That's why I've got to renew my mind to his word, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we have to take care of our thought life. Ultimately, when this is all said and done, when, 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 when everything passes and everything is back to whatever we want to call normal, if we haven't checked our thoughts, if we haven't taken control of our thought life and our mental realm, our mental capacity, things can change on the outside and we'll still be a mess on the inside. Amen. So if I want to see real change in my life, I'm not expecting the government to do it. I'm not expecting the economy to do it. I'm not expecting my spouse to do it. I'm not expecting my pastor to do it. I need to take control of my thoughts. The real change that I'm going to see in my life is going to come because I address my thoughts. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.